Well, I think this has been fantastic. I love, I love kind of like the, the holistic approach mm-hmm. and kind of giving people options. And I think it's, like I said, the biggest takeaway is just, I, I think it's awareness. It's like, just really be aware um, of what you're doing and what you're putting, you know, putting into your body and kind of like understand the risks that are associated with it. Don't just assume that because, and I think that comes with the thing. I, it just comes, I just think of so many things that are just over the counter kind of type products. And it's so easy to view them because no one's really associating the risks that go along with it. You know, like prescription drugs and all those kind of things so like, yeah, okay, there's like this huge kind of warning, but you don't get this massive warning when you're buying a bottle of Advil or, or ibuprofen. No. It's just, it's just like, okay, I'm going to take this when I've got, when I'm hurt, you know, and, it, and that's it. That's, that's what I'm going to be doing. Um, or when I'm sick, I've got a cold, I've got a cold and a flu. So just be aware of what you're doing. Um, I think, I think Sophie, you've done a fantastic job in describing, you know, what's actually happening into the body and the risks associated with it. And, uh, and I hope people really take the time to listen and turn to their naturopathic doctors to kind of really take a look at those underlying issues uh, mm-hmm. of what's causing that pain and how you can actually address it. So, I think it's wonderful. Um, you know, why don't you give us your your kind of Instagram handle or the best way people can get a hold of you? Because I think there's a lot of people that are listening to this that you know are are, are it's super relatable. You know, and I yeah. think you're offering a lot of virtual consults and in-person consults. So yeah. maybe let people know the best way they can get a hold of you and um, and talk about pain and inflammation and and alternative ways of dealing with it. Yeah, first, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate you guys having this platform and just sharing all this education because I think it is so necessary and that people need it. Um, And I love doing this work, right? This is the kind of stuff I love to do. So um, you can find me. I work at two different um, health clinics in the greater Toronto area. So the first one is C'est la vie wellness. Um, with my mom and sister. We have a nice practice in Oakville there. And then I also work with Dr. Olivia Rose, um, who is an naturopathic doctor in the East End of Toronto at Rose Health Clinic. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at ND. Um, and you can also search those clinics and I'll come up there as well. And then when we share the podcast, I'm sure we'll share all of the additional platforms there. But Absolutely. I love to hear you hear from all of you and if you guys ever have any questions i'm so happy to answer them i do offer virtual and in-person care to um, anyone in ontario so if you can't get to me um, in person then there's also always virtual care available um, and i offer free 15-minute consults for um, everyone so if you have any questions or if you just kind of want to learn more um, those are always options as well be sure Fantastic. to go follow that instagram page it, it, Sophie's always sharing some fantastic content and information. Um, it, it's really great to follow to follow along and to to, to see what you've got to share. Mm-hmm. So, thanks again for being on the show. This is thank been, you so much. Uh, yeah, it's been great. Thank you. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of Your Health Minute, brought to you by Aqua Omega. And today we have the very wonderful Sophie Defarbel, a naturopathic doctor with us to talk about non-steroidal anti-inflammatories and uh, this this episode is not meant to, to scare you um, but really to create more awareness because I think it's a really important topic and, and just because they're kind of over-the-counter medications um, you know you you can't assume that there are no kind of like negative side effects that come with taking this um, and obviously with me today as well is my co-host Mark Sicard uh, Sophie welcome to the show thank you I'm happy to be back yeah, so this is like a really like 
awesome topic that I definitely want to be talking about. And I, I'm going to start with a statistic that's going to probably blow some people's minds. And, and I actually found this when we were kind of building our presentations and kind of doing a lot of trainings on omega-3s um, and educating on the importance of kind of reducing inflammation um, and addressing people's dependency on these non-steroidal anti-inflammatories uh, when dealing with inflammation. Um, and that stat is actually that, that abuse of this over-the-counter medication actually leads to the hospitalization of over 100,000 people um, on an annual basis just in North America and actually is, um, it causes the death of more than 16,500 people. Um, that is a huge statistic that, that actually probably, um, you know, the, the most recent one I can find dates back to like 2005, but, um, and I'm sure it's gone up since then. But, uh, you know, I, I, I guess that just blows to think that, you know, people are, are so dependent on this that it's actually causing them to get sick and to die. Yeah, it's, um definitely way too many it's supposed to be something that obviously is helping us with our health and when it has stats like that that's definitely staggering i think it's almost detrimental because nsaids um, or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs are so effective at what they are meant to do which means reducing right. inflammation and taking away pain which is great but um to feed off of what you were saying in terms of those statistics there's i think about 10 to 15 percent of people who um, take more than the daily recommended dose of um, NSAIDs, which is 1200 milligrams. So that's about your typical like Advil will have about 200 milligrams per capsule um, if it's just normal strength. So if you're taking one every four hours with a maximum of six in a 24 hour period, that's already your max dose. And a lot of people are popping two or taking extra strength or whatever that might be. Um, but I like what you were saying. I think it's just important to have a podcast on this kind of topic because it's it comes down to a lack of education people aren't willingly or knowingly abusing these things they think it's okay and they think it's actually helping because it's taking away their symptoms right mm -hmm. you just don't know any better right exactly, exactly. it's like yeah. oh man i got this massive migraine or i got like i got like my elbows killing me from playing you know whatever golf or hockey yeah. or knees or i'm running or i'm doing these things mm -hmm. and you think you're helping yourself but mm -hmm. you don't realize what's actually happening Mm -hmm. in in the body and again those stats blow me away and like mm -hmm. what you're saying it blows me away um and so maybe maybe kind of like before we dive in let's talk about Ooh. what what they are because i think you know we're using the technical term but you know people people likely know these more as like your your advil or your ibuprofen things like that or just exactly. like maybe other other labels that it goes on um is my yeah. is might all is might all fall under ibuprofen as well um I think it does. I know Motrin um, is definitely in there. So I think okay. the brands kind of also depend where you are, Canada and the US, that kind of stuff. But basically, it's your ibuprofen. Um, it's your, um, you know, not your Tylenol, because that's paracetamol, which is a, a whole other thing. Um, but it's your aspirin. And then also some, those are your over the counters, but then you also have the prescribed ones. So your naproxen's, um, which a lot of people get re uh, recommended those, the blue pills, and then your celecoxib. So like your Celebrex, you probably have seen some sort of commercial or infomercial for, for drugs like that. So- yeah. And then it's got a list of side effects like this big that comes <laughs> yeah, And it scares it. you a little bit. And yeah, also yeah. it's important to note, like what, as a one-off, totally fine, right? It does what it's meant to. It's really just the chronic use. However, um, even within two weeks, if you're using it daily, people have noticed that it, depending on like the dose that you're taking, 
there is an increase in the risks of these things, but it's more of like, we're talking more about three months and more of, of use for um, long-term. Yeah, that, I feel like you say three months, like we talk about three it's months, not like that it's, long. Long. No, it's, it's not really that long. long. And I think like, you know, when you're nursing some kind of sports injury, Mark, Mark uh, was a, like, a, he's actually a record holding uh, Canadian <laughs> Olympic weightlifter. And he doesn't wow. like to talk about it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's, big boy. it's a, it's a master's. This. It's a master's record. So for the old guys. But yeah, but he's so so you've got these kind of like, you know, people that do sports or people that even just as you get older, you fall, you knock your knee, you hurt your back or something like that. It becomes like such a crutch and people get into the habit of just taking these yep. to kind of normal, feel normal. Right. And yeah. like you said, like if it's a one off whatever, you know, sinus pressure or something like that. you just kind of, you need this to kind of alleviate some of the yeah. pressure and the inflammation. Fine. But that's not how we're using these right now. We're yeah. using them as, as a, a patch or to kind of feel normal. Like, and, yeah. and a, and it's so, you know, even like you get sick, like people get sick, like they're slamming like Advil and I'm guilty of it too, you know, getting oh, like the flu that, and, you're, yeah. and you're slamming cold and sinus, like it's going out of, going out of style just to feel better you know to kind of alleviate the sinus pressure to reduce the the cold or flu symptoms mm -hmm. um you know actually i haven't been sick in it in over a year because you know there's no, no one kind has of real contact <laughs> unless, unless you've had covid you've not been sick right, right yeah. <laughs> but but I've, I've done it before right like i mean i i swear like last february mark you too you got like every, like we got i got the flu and mm -hmm. uh and uh i was just you know kind of down for two days and then you got to get back to normal and get back out there and you know yeah. we're out kind of doing our thing and you know you're just pounding these and it's just yeah. like you're, you're almost not even thinking you're just taking them like yeah. every three or four hours just like oh it's wearing off better take some more but yeah some more, better exactly take some more. but so I'm, i was at that point i'm obviously exceeding i'm not doing the three month period maybe it's like three or four days but yeah. i think this can become a chronic habit for a lot of people Absolutely. when they're fighting sure. kind of like these injuries or this pain right mm -hmm. so What's happening in the body when you're taking these? Maybe you talk about like the chemical kind of like reaction or what's happening and how it's actually alleviating the pain and then and then why it's actually causing some of these negative side effects. Yeah, I won't get too scientific because I think the point of the education is really to get a you know, a great overall understanding of what's what it's doing and how it can affect you, but basically these NSAIDs um, they work on these two enzyme or these two receptors in the body called the COX-1 and the COX-2, and those are basically to alleviate your pain. Um, so when they bind to those, it helps to kind of reduce the pain. But like we were kind of chatting a bit um, about earlier, um, you have some of these COX uh, receptors in your digestive tract. And so this repetitive use of NSAIDs actually starts to weaken and irritate the lining of both your stomach and your intestines over time. And then that's when you start to get these like leaky gut symptoms, but there's a really high percentage of people who actually, I think it's about a third of people who have chronic use of NSAIDs that get about, a, um, again, an ulcer. This can also lead to GI bleed, so gastrointestinal bleeding. This can lead to H. pylori infection, so that's when your ulcer gets infected and gets worse. Um, these ulcers can become perforated if you continuously continue to take the NSAIDs and continue to irritate. Um, and obviously when you're getting to a point of a bleed, a perforation, an infection, that's just leading to a lot more issues down the road. So not only are you dealing with whatever pain or inflammation, chronic condition you already have, then you're causing a lot of digestive issues as well. 
So um, just so going to the Cox one, Cox too. It's kind of like it's kind of interesting because the way it, like when I when I was reading up on this and really trying to understand it, um, it's like they're they're it can't distinguish you know between your pain receptors and the the, the enzyme that's actually protecting your stomach line and your intestines, mm-hmm. and so it just blocks them both out. And over time, the stomach acid exactly like the cause the ulcer or yep. kind of just deteriorate and weaken that stomach lining, which can eventually be perforated mm-hmm. and cause a, a bleed, which mm-hmm. is very dangerous and can lead to death. And that's what that's what's happening in a lot mm-hmm. of these cases. But how how are I mean, this is a, a crazy statistic, 100,000 plus people mm-hmm. plus like people that are dying. And I suspect it's getting worse because, you know, inflammation is going up and we're not, mm-hmm. you know, we're not necessarily getting healthier as a population. Um, but uh, what, you know, and then I think about people kind of taking this and mixing it with alcohol, which is just going to compound yeah. issues and stuff like that. So what are some of the symptoms you need to be looking for? Like, obviously, if you're taking it too much, be aware. Like, It's super important to be aware of how much you're taking. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you don't want to be exceeding the 1,200 milligrams daily and and definitely don't want to go past the, the, the three-month usage. Um, but yeah. what are some of the symptoms people should be looking out for? Well, I think it's just really important to screen the actual use of, you know, ibuprofen, like really make sure that um, if you're a healthcare practitioner, you're asking people about that because some people Mm -hmm. don't realize, right? They think it's like, oh, it's just an over-the-counter Advil all the time. So make sure you're actually screening for use of these, especially if someone has a pain or inflammatory condition. Um, But it's a lot of, you know, like, sharp stomach pains. Um, If you're thinking about the leaky gut, I I mean, we had a whole episode on leaky gut, so you can go back and listen to more of that. But like leaky gut can really end up being a whole array of symptoms that are just like inflammatory inflammation, basically systemically that's showing up as skin rashes, as like chronic headaches or whatever that might be. But a lot more this in this case, it's a lot more of the symptoms relating to the uh, digestive tract. So a lot of pain, you know, um, maybe changes in bowel movements. Um, you know, it's it's it, when you have an ulcer, it's definitely more of like that burning sensation in the stomach, more of a gastritis and inflammation, irritation. You're getting a lot of pain. would that be like heartburn, like a lot of heartburn things? Some like people well? do get heartburn actually from NSAIDs, and often, which is unfortunate, but medical doctors often end up prescribing a proton pump inhibitor on top of a um, NSAID. So an NSAID is already kind of a Band-Aid solution to pain and inflammation, but I also don't want to dismiss the use of it because it is very effective at what it does. And I think when you're using it sporadically as needed and very intentionally, um, you don't need to suffer necessarily through your day either, right? But it's already a Band-Aid solution. There are things that you can do to get more down to the root cause. And then when you're getting these gastrointestinal um, issues, so like let's say someone has reflux or GERD, gastrointestinal reflux, um then they're putting a proton pump inhibitor to then mask that symptom and proton pump inhibitors we can talk about that another time but is meant to be a short-term use as well and then you end up people having um are being on it for five years or whatever yeah like ever 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 about that sometimes like 20 years yeah. yeah I was joking with somebody like oh man like I don't I just don't like you know I haven't touched alcohol in the new year and it was just it was a case where I, like, I would drink a little bit of red wine and I would get such bad heartburn. I was like, Look, it's not worth it. Like it just mm-hmm. interrupts my sleep so bad. And then the guy's joking. He's like, ah, I just take this little pill that the, the <laughs> doctor gave me for my heartburn. And it's you no know, problem. You know, I drink as much yeah, as I want. Man. I eat whatever. I <laughs> that's want, horrible. You know? It's like, man, like, I don't know. That's, like, also, that's the thing. So for you, it's like, OK, I have a sensitivity to red wine, perhaps. I actually react quite similarly to red wine. It doesn't agree with me. So there's two ways you can do it. You can take something to just 
mask those symptoms or you can decide to eliminate that and kind of investigate the root cause of why that's happening in the first place kind of thing right mm -hmm. so there's a couple of different options but i just think that when you're throwing more medication to cover up the adverse reactions mm -hmm. of the initial medication then you get into problems with polypharmacy and keep in mind that a lot of the people who are using NSAIDs are the aging population because they're the ones who are dealing with more of those chronic pain conditions, right? Because they're a little less mobile, they have like lower functioning than they used to, or they're a little bit more prone to injury or whatever that might be. So then, you know, there's interactions between many, it, it starts to become a big, a big issue. You kind of get lost in what are we even treating in the first place? <laughs> but we're, exactly. we're programmed to think that way, right? Like the, exactly. you're talking about polypharmacy. And I think we're programmed to think that way because it's like, oh, I've got a bobo, give me a pill. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, I've got a negative reaction for that, give me another one. Yeah. And then that's causing me to gain, like, you know, oh, I've got high blood pressure now, give me another one of those. Like, and it, yeah. I was actually blown away. Like, there was, there was, uh, and I won't mention who, but there was, you know, there, there was some statistics that were shared with us from one of our, our retailers. And they're talking about, like, almost boasting about the amount of prescriptions that they kind of hand out on an, on an mm. and it's like on average i think canadians are on like three to four different prescription drugs mm -hmm. yeah. like that is a lot that is it, a lot of drugs to be it, taking every single day tends to be if you're on one you're on more than one kind of thing so right exactly and, that was the average it's like four that's a lot and some people are like yeah. you know if people that are on one like there's getting average down that is the average that is what's yeah. important to kind of be be aware of and that does include like you said like the otcs that that are yeah. compounding that, that that's not even part of that yeah and i think that's there's two different things here like first of all not to um you know say that it's the fault of the medical doctors because truly they don't actually have any other tools at their disposal necessarily when they're recommending mm -hmm. NSAIDs. and also often it's not them it's over the counter right so it's not necessarily mm -hmm. it may be a bit of a issue in the medical system in some ways um but it's also on us as a society, we are always looking for that quick fix. I was going to say, for sure. It, it, it's wanting to do the hard work or look deeper into what's going on, right? Or not yeah. wanting to get rid of your glass of wine that you really enjoy, right? So you're kind of suffering I think through it's, it. It's really that Band-Aid that band -aid yeah. society where we're looking just to mask symptoms. You know, um, it's, I think that's one of the main reasons why we love naturopathic medicine so much is because it's about mm -hmm. addressing the root the issue, cost. about addressing what lifestyle changes need to be made, whether they be dietary, you know, just movement, exercise, sleep, whatever it may be. There's, there's, your body's telling you something. And when yeah. you're, just when you're suffering this pain, you know, there's a reason for it and mm -hmm. you have to address those symptoms for what's causing them as opposed to just yeah. sticking these band-aids on top and then compounding like we're describing, getting into this, you know, mixture of medications to just continue mm -hmm. compounding this, hiding the symptoms. Yeah, Mark, yeah I like it's almost like that magic cocktail, right? People try to find like that magic cocktail. Magic like you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, like you're saying, Mark, like the Band-Aid, like I always describe it to people. And and, and so when we're, we're talking about inflammation, I said, you got to get that. That's like the root cause, right? And if you yeah. just keep masking and kind of giving things on top of that, it's like you've got this leaky pipe and you just keep taping over the leaky pipe. It's going to keep leaking. You know, it's going to mm -hmm. find yeah. a way out and you're going to just keep compounding the problem. You need to shut the water off, seal that, seal that leak off or change the pipe. And then you can start to heal and repair. And that's mm -hmm. why we love naturopathic medicine, yeah. naturopathic yeah. doctors. Yeah. And I also, you know, just to add to that, Mark, I think there's also something really interesting because there's not a single naturopathic doctor that we have talked to that has ever been opposed to working with an MD to kind mm -hmm. of really kind exactly. of working as a complement. 
yeah. to kind of, uh, you know, versus there's still, I think, you know, maybe I'm speaking out of tongue, but there's a little bit of more resistance the other way. Whereas it's like, yeah, we're totally ready to work with your MD to kind of find and mm -hmm. get to that root cause and find the best solution for you versus the other way. But I think there's definitely a lot of progress that's being made in that, in that, uh, in that direction yeah. as well. So. And I like what Mark was saying about your pain is truly just your body giving you a message that mm -hmm. there's something off, right? Like pain is just a signal. It's not a condition in and of itself. It's usually representative of something else going on. So if you're just, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not telling anybody they have to go through and like suffer a day of pain just so that they can see what their body is saying. Like, yeah, it's okay to take your Advil every once in a while to be able to get through your day. But be aware of like, okay, what is my body telling me? Like, is it telling me that I shouldn't be having that glass of red wine? Like maybe mm -hmm. that's the case and maybe I should be making those changes. But um, if you keep masking all the time, then you don't really know what your body is saying to you mm -hmm. either. Right. So, and you see the, the, to kind of go back to, you know, my background in weightlifting, uh, mm -hmm. I, I've never seen greater abuse of NSAIDs than in the weightlifting mm -hmm. locker room, you know, topical, mm -hmm. topical anti-inflammatories, mm -hmm. you know, then downing them with, uh, mm -hmm. you know, downing ibuprofen after the workout, mm -hmm. you know, ice baths on top of it, all these uh, attempts mm -hmm. to bring down inflammation. But Try the thing that gets lost, yeah. well, what ends up happening is these guys that are really relying on them end up injuring themselves worse say, because yeah. you know for example for me it's knees and shoulders and yep. if if my knees start getting really really inflamed and sore i know that there's something wrong with my programming there's something wrong with the yep. amount of volume i'm doing or the technique or muscle imbalances or something yep. if i mask that and train through the pain, which is, you know, a common mentality when it comes mm -hmm. to sports like lifting weights. Um, you, you, you push through the pain, you, you mask it as best you can. Mm -hmm. And then guess what? Now you have a chronic knee injury that you're going to live with for the rest of your life because you didn't, you just kept masking it. Exactly. And it could take you mm -hmm. out of the sport altogether, right? As a, like, yeah. as opposed to working with your body being like, okay, that's too much. How do I strengthen my knee or you know do some stretching or give it a break so that i can come back and be stronger or whatever mm -hmm. uh learning your own body limit body's limitations but i think it is also representative of something that happens in the um sports world but just in the workout world in general but this this you know like trainers being like no pain no gain and mm -hmm. and that's actually kind of to me i feel like that's wrong because you're you're telling people to ignore what their body is telling them, right? There's um, good hurt and there's bad hurt, right? There's like well, a good kind of satisfying kind of like in the muscles, but yeah. when it's in the joints and in the hips and the knees yeah. and the shoulders and it's mechanical, it's like it like there's a problem. There's something that's going on. Yeah. It's like you said, sports worlds in general, Mark, you're talking weightlifting. Yeah. You talk, you look at hockey, you look at any Anything. kind of sport. It's yeah. like, yeah, just suck it up. You know, take the, take, take whatever yeah. you need to take to make you feel better and then get back out there, you know, mm -hmm. and, and it's, it's so frequent and it's, it's like, hard. and unfortunately, especially in sports and even getting into pro professional sports, your, your inventory, your inventory to that team. And it's like, if you're not performing, you're useless. So mm -hmm. it's, yeah do you know at almost at all costs and and that cost yeah. is, is your health and it you know whatever yeah and so what about like so we're talking about the damage and stuff like that yeah um is there like a misinformation that's out there and then like my, a, a follow-up question is like after you do this damage can you heal and how long does it take to heal or what can you do to heal and repair that gut and the, the damage that you've done from the abuse because you mentioned aspirin and the first thing i think about when i think aspirin i go i see those commercials for like, oh, you know, an aspirin a day will protect your heart. Is that like, are you misinformed or are we actually damaging our hearts by, by abusing yeah. the early teen inflammatories? So 
coming to the baby, uh, this is more like the baby aspirin, I think, which right. often, um, I think it used to be a lot more of a trend a couple decades ago uh, when people were having heart problems. Um, it was used, it still gets used a lot um, to this day. But, I think I saw a commercial not that long ago. Like, yeah, don't yeah. forget your, your aspirin mm -hmm. for your, you know, your um, daily Motrin, I think for your heart. And it's like, yeah. mm, I don't know about that. So I've seen some, some of the older generation, um, maybe more like the baby boomer generation who just willingly started taking them on their own, thinking that they're protecting their heart. But in fact, the research is more so for the, um, the benefit of it only if you've already had a cardiovascular event. So let's say you've had a stroke or you've had a heart attack or whatever, then it will pr potentially protect you from a second incident, but taking it just to prevent that first incident, it doesn't have quite the same research. Um, if I'm remembering that correctly. And then if you're thinking about all these other effects, is it really worth it? So if you're really thinking about someone who's already prone to having a heart attack because they've already had one, sure, it might be worth taking that. And when we're talking about baby aspirin, I think it's usually like 80 milligrams. Like it's a lot lower than that, you know, 1200 milligram uh, daily recommended mm -hmm. dose. And it's usually like one a day. But if you're talking about someone who doesn't necessarily have the high risk for cardiovascular event in the first place, like do they really need to be taking this? No, especially if it has this risk of chronic use of having these gastrointestinal, not necessarily. And also, I mean, you are talking to a naturopathic doctor here who has a lot of natural alternatives they would use to help support uh, cardiovascular health in the first place. But I think it is a little bit of misinformation, but also just more so lack of education in general, right? Yeah. Um, and so I does think, it compound? Because you're talking 80 to 100 milligrams for, for uh, yeah. kind of like your baby aspirin. I just looked it up. So yeah, so yeah. 80 to 100 milligrams. Um, does it compound like over time or are you like, are you safe in that range or like, is there still going to be a negative side effect from that? I mean, it's still safer, but keep in mind. Um, so it works in both ways. It works in a dose dependent relationship way. So it works like the higher the dose, the worse the effect, but it also works in, um, chronic use. So the longer you yeah. use it, that also builds up. Um, right. This is a it is compound over time. Yeah. It is, it is irritating that, um, that stomach lining still over time, um, but dose does make an does have an effect as well. Um, the other common um, like kind of myth is that you should take um, Advil or any NSAID with food to help. But recent studies seem to be kind of thinking that might not be the case. There's it's still a little bit I think. Uh, newer research, but they think that it actually might be better to take it on an empty stomach. I don't know that they know entirely why, but I'm thinking it might just be that you have more uh, higher stomach acid, so it might actually break it down a little bit easier, as opposed to if you have food, it kind of dilutes that acidity, so it might actually, you know, not get fully broken down and maybe cause some damage down the road. Um, but I think that's a little bit newer, but I feel like I certainly thought that like I certainly was in that camp of like, oh, no, I should, if I'm going to have it, like I should have it with food or with something. Right. Um, so there's definitely um, a lot that I think we generally think that because any kind of prescription drug or antibiotic. Usually it's like with food. Like, yeah, take with food. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting. So that one, I think, is still being a, a little bit investigated nowadays. Um, and then you were saying, you were asking about how long does it take to, take to heal or something you yeah, can I'm do. saying like, let's say like someone's listening and they've kind of abused of the non-steroid sure. inflammatories, um, you know, for some time you're, you're aware of that, or maybe you're, mm -hmm. you're dealing with some issues or some, con like, what can you do to heal? How long can it, like mm -hmm. how long, you know, obviously like your, your, our bodies are regenerative and they, they can kind of like, mm -hmm. 
you know, we can heal. We're designed to, yeah. to kind of, if you give it what it needs, then you can heal. So what do you need to do to heal and how long can you expect it to take? Yeah, well, I think it depends. Like, obviously, my first recommendation, if someone's listening and you hear yourself in this conversation, like, oh, I've been using, you know, NSAIDs daily for however long, um, talk to your healthcare practitioner because if obviously you're taking them for a reason and if there's something going on, then like that underlying cause should get addressed. Um, and then it might be something that you want to look into. Like you might want to get an endoscope and make sure you don't have an ulcer, um, you know, which is an imaging of your stomach lining. You may want to check the, you know, check your gastrointestinal symptoms, see that you have any of those. Um, you can do an H. pylori test. So H. pylori is the, infect the bacteria that's often associated with ulcers um, and gets infected. It really, the time it takes to heal is really dependent on the severity. Like if you have a GI bleed, like this is a, this is an emergency. Like you need to get that dealt with, right? Because the more you- Any surgery for that to repair? I think it depends. Like I'm not by no means an expert in a GI bleed that would get back to the medical doctors. Um, but yeah, you have to be very careful with that, right? This is um, probably more so responsible for those deaths that you were mentioning, right? This yep. is pretty serious. In terms of an ulcer, um, you know, a lot of things, it, it depends on the person. You have to be pretty good in terms of what you're eating, a lot of soothing foods, a lot of healing foods, um, nothing irritating like coffee or alcohol or anything like that. You have to be uh, pretty careful with those things. But, um, and then if we're talking about leaky gut, that's a pretty chronic issue that might take quite some time. Like I think we had said like about three to six months in our previous um, podcast conversation about that. So it, it's hard to say, right? It's all about the how intense your use was, how high your dosing was, um, how much damage you actually caused. And we haven't even really touched on like the toxic burden to the liver that it can also pose, right? Um, we were chatting yeah, right, about- Because all of these things are being processed by your liver. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So if you are someone who has a high toxicity burden in your body, and this is another thing you're kind of throwing on top of it, you know, that's a lot, it might take a little bit longer to detox or, you know, get you regenerate your liver a little bit than someone who um, lives a fairly healthy lifestyle. And this is the only thing that they do on mm -hmm. top of that, you know, so. And these yeah. are all, you know, the, the, the physical components, but there, I'm sure there's a strong psychological addictive component to it as well. You know, mm -hmm. a sense of a comfort zone or, you mm -hmm. know, somewhat of a crutch if, if somebody is living with chronic back pain, for example, you know, exactly. there, it must be psychologically just as draining to try to come off these things as it is psych uh, physically. Absolutely. So can, you, can you develop a, uh, a chemical dependency on these drugs as well? Um, I haven't seen anything about a physiological dependency on these drugs. Like, I don't think they have addictive properties where you would get withdrawal or whatnot, mm -hmm. but um, I think anything can become more or less addictive, like Mark was saying, from more of a psychological perspective. I mean, I feel for people who have pain conditions, who deal with pain daily, because, you know, I have headaches every once in a while, and it is hard to function when you are in pain or debilitated by that, right? Exactly. So once again, it's that thing. It's like you don't really want to put the onus entirely on the people who are suffering from pain, because you know, you get it. Like, of course, people want to do something that will help them get through their day or not suffer. Like, you know, we don't want people to be suffering here. Mm -hmm. um, so it's more about finding alternatives or can we get down to the root cause and maybe heal at a deeper level, which then, you know, reduces the intensity or the frequency of their pain, at least. 
Um, and to really so cut through to find out what's causing the pain in the first exactly. place, you know, yeah. somebody who's yeah. suffering from chronic back pain. I mean, it's, uh, I'm, I'm fortunate that, you know, my injuries were mostly to shoulders and joints and not so much back, but I, I have trained with a lot of athletes that have had back pain and, you know, my age, you know, a little bit younger even, and they walk like they're, you know, yep. 30, 40 years older and they're, they're mm -hmm. constantly in pain. I mean, in that case, it's a little different because it's, you know, um, an overuse injury from, you mm -hmm. know, competitive, mm -hmm. extreme competitive sport. But for people that mm -hmm. are dealing with back pain, there's there's going to be, you know, uh, rehab and things that they can do to strengthen their mm -hmm. core, strengthen their back, really address what's causing this pain. And, you know, that's that's the kind of recurring theme that resonates with me with this podcast mm -hmm. is that, you know, you're you're masking something that your body is dramatically telling you you need to fix. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. while there's certainly, you know, kind of the dietary component and the mm -hmm. chemical component of what they're doing to your system, there's also this component of having to have that mental clarity to cut through and find out mm -hmm. what's causing it. Yeah, definitely. And so that's one of the best solutions, like you're talking about, you're talking about like, uh, we've got the symptoms and we're kind of using this, like, yep. what are the alternative solutions? Like, what are you, yep. someone comes to you and they're like, ah, like, I've got so much pain that I'm just using these, these non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, like mm -hmm. excessively, basically, yep. just to be able to get through my day. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I've actually been seeing a lot more patients with back pain lately. And I don't know if it's because people are working from home now and they're just, their setups are not like ergonomically, you know, in tune or whatever it might be. Um, a lot of back pain, but you feel for people like you're saying, right? These aren't necessarily even just people who are intense athletes. These are people that are just aging and with age. And, and I think that to your point, Mark, it's about not just relying on the NSAIDs, but figuring out what the root cause is, but it's also, you know, maybe you won't be able to reverse some of the overuse damage, like the degeneration mm -hmm. that's happened, but you can maybe prevent it from getting worse. And can you leverage your diet and your lifestyle in other ways to also support reducing the inflammatory burden on your body? Exactly. So a lot of these patients I've been seeing have actually been coming to see me for acupuncture. Mm -hmm. So Absolutely. I run community, community acupuncture days where it's um, acupuncture um, offered at a reduced rate just to make it more accessible to the community. And um, everyone's coming in with back pain lately. But, you know, people are getting a lot of benefit from regular acupuncture appointments, which they are much more willing to do than risk it with NSAIDs, for example. So acupuncture can be a really amazing way to do that. Um, and that's com compounded with other things, of course. But one of my favorites, which I think you guys will appreciate, is fish oil. I think fish oil is just awesome because, well, not only are you getting, if you have your higher high EPA to DHA ratio, then you have your anti-inflammatory effects, which is huge. Um, you can take that daily, but not only are you going to get the anti-inflammatory effects, but you can also, this is going to help with brain health. This can help with energy. This can help with um, hormonal health, balance your cholesterol, cardiovascular health, right? It's it's a health food. So you're getting not only some of the anti-inflammatory effects that you would get from an NSAID, but you're getting all these additional health benefits as opposed to harms, right? Um, so to me, that seems like a much better trade-off. Literally no side effects, like with a, with a quality Omega-3 product. Or or we say that all the time, effects, right? Like, yeah, as in yeah. like, yeah, no negative side effect. Yeah, it's positive. It's all, it, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. We have a we had a funny thing at one point. Is like, was it what was the trend we were doing? Mark is like, uh, we, uh, 
an omega-3 can help with that or something like that. Right, it's yeah. kind of like but literally like almost any kind of health condition. You, you can yeah. think that it'll have a somewhat of a healthy or, or a positive impact on that. Yeah. And most of the time it comes down to reducing inflammation. But even going back to heart health and kind of yeah. taking the baby aspirin on a daily basis, like you can do as much or more benefit by taking a, a quality omega-3 product. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. for reducing inflammation and reducing there was a study actually and i have to pull it up to kind of pull up the actual statistics but the, the most recent one is actually the vasipa study that's is is an omega-3 that's just pure epa um and they they proved that they were able to reduce the risk of heart attack or stroke by 25 to 35 percent and that was like that's just omega-3s you know and even the reoccurrence i think it was even better than that which is amazing yeah. if you have had a, a, a stroke or heart attack the 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 uh, you're you're at much higher risk of of a, a reoccurrence from from that happening. So yeah. Um, yeah, so it's so important, especially this being Heart Health Month. It's so important to create yeah. kind of awareness around that. And it's like yeah. it's so easy. It's it's literally one of the easiest things you can do to, yeah. to improve your health. So yeah, I, I appreciate you saying that. But going back to the pain and people are coming yeah. out, I love acupuncture. I had a yeah. I, I I threw my back, like it was just working out. I hurt my back and it was just like. You know, I, I don't like to take kind of like any kind of drugs or anything like that. So I was trying to fight it off. And of course, if I get to the like my breaking point, then I'll take mm -hmm. something. But and it's always kind of like the last case. But the acupuncture is what saved me. You mm -hmm. know, I had all this pain in my hip and my lower back to the point. I was like, oh, my God, this is almost mm -hmm. not tolerable anymore. And and just this this it was amazing. It was amazing yeah. what it did for me. I haven't had any pain since. And yeah. now I just go get regular kind of tune ups and stuff like that. Yeah. But but. I love that. And I think yeah. another point that's probably important, you're talking about an aging population, um, mm -hmm. Sophie, and people kind of, I think, you know, I think like, yes, working from home and all this kind of stuff, but I think the gyms being closed down, yep. um, people kind of like, you know, much more sedentary behavior. A lot of people sitting or laying yep. around doing things. You're just going to get stiff. Like it's so important to get up and yep. move. Like, you know, someone was talking about like one of the best ways to kind of age well is just to stay limber and to yep. like lift weights. You know, you kind of shock yep. your nervous system. And, and you stay limber because over time, it's like I, I describe the aging process as like oxidizing, you know, and if you don't properly kind of like oil the car, like yeah. if you got two kind of like classic cars and you leave one out in the field and you mm -hmm. don't do anything to it and the other one, you park it in the garage and you give it the oil change and you give it the wax and you wash it, you know, mm -hmm. it's going to age significantly better than the one sitting in the field. And that's what's mm -hmm. happening here. It's like we're, we're treating our bodies like the car in the old, in the field and, and over time, everything wants to start kind of pulling in like this mm -hmm. and and because we're not staying limber and we're not taking care of our bodies and moving of course it's there's naturally going to be a lot more pain because now things aren't firing and they're not moving the way they're intended to because we haven't kind of taken care of ourselves so so i think yeah i think there's so many great alternatives and kind of like and i'm sure you know acupuncture is a great start but i'm sure you're you're probably recommending or sending people to do yoga or to do oh, you know, sure. some kind of fitness or some training or something just movement yeah, movement is um, always a bucket on my treatment plan, um, as is nutrition and sleep and supplements and stress management. But movement is interesting because when you're dealing with people with pain, they have a tendency, it's really finding that balance, right? It's finding the balance of staying mobile, right? Like keeping those joints mobile because that actually, even people who have like had a recent sprain or strain or anything, there used to be this thought of like, oh, you need to rest. You need to not mm -hmm. use it. But it's actually use it's actually important to start stretching 
doing range of motion with the joints, um, keeping things kind of well lubricated, like you're saying, and mobile over time, but within obviously your, your body's tolerance. So still listening to your body's pain messages like we're talking about before. So kind of finding that balance. But a lot of my patients who are a little bit in that older population who have the, oste uh, the osteoarthritis, the rheumatoid arthritis, they actually notice themselves. They're like, oh, it's actually, stiff after when I wake up in the morning and actually moving throughout the day makes it help a little bit more as long as I don't overdo it. So really yeah. finding the balance. And the other thing with the aging population too, like the healthy aging, um, mobility and maintaining your muscle mass are two of the biggest indicator of longevity as well, right? So mm -hmm. these aren't just things to help you with your joints that are actually in pain. It's also just, you know, your lifespan here. Um, and Mark Hyman, um, he is a functional medical doctor in the States. He has a um, podcast you can find. He has quite a few books as well. And he always says, um, you want your health span to match your lifespan. So you also want to, if you're going to live to be 100 That's years great. old, like, you want to be healthy till you're 100 years mm -hmm. old too, right? Like you should be kind of um, hoping that you live healthy until one day you just don't wake up in the morning kind of thing, as opposed to your last 20 years of life being you know, immobile mm. or very unhealthy. And then it's kind of like, what is, you know, it's not, then you start to have mental health issues If there's other things, there's isolation. There's a lot of other things that come into play there. Right. So I, I agree with you 100%. Like, it's like, you know, you look at it and it's like, it's, it's not to sound insensitive, but if you get to that age and you can't, you, you can't function, you can't do anything. You can't, it's like, you're not really living anymore. Right. Like yeah. you're just, you're just kind of existing. Yeah. And so, but you can, and it's like, it's, it's like, I, I think we're so willing as uh, when you can actually, you, you're so willing to sacrifice your health either for wealth or for, you know, for whatever reason that you're doing it and, and, and or just because you enjoy things or something like that. And then I think once you get to a certain point and I don't think there's anybody that's like, you get sick and it's like, even myself, if I, you know, if I would catch a cold or something, it's like, I will do anything to get rid of this right now. You know what I mean? And I, I can only imagine if you actually, you know, you develop a chronic illness or disease, yeah, the amount of like want to, or, or what you would do to get and get healthy again. And I'm sure yeah. you've seen it, you've seen this before, but it's like, I will yeah. do anything to feel yeah. better, to get healthier right now. When really like the change needs to happen now, you need to be started, starting to make some lifestyle change. Yeah. Like I'm, you know, I'm in my, uh, well, my mid thirties. And, uh, you know, like I'm thinking about like, I want to be, you know, as good a shape as I am now when I'm 50 and 60 yeah. years old or, or like relatively, you know, like I want to kind of keep that going Yeah. because it's just, it's fun. It's fun to yeah. kind of be healthy and to be Absolutely. fit, to go for a hike, to go for a run, to do yeah. whatever you want. And if you lose that, that capability, I don't know, like you're just limiting or limiting a lot of like the, the things you can do with your life. Yeah, definitely. No, seriously, I'm I'm about to turn thirty, so it's a big a big birthday coming up for me, and I it's you, I already feel like I'm like oh my god, even like a decade ago, like you you notice the changes as you age, and this is still you know most people would be like oh you're still young, and I, I still feel young, but I'm like yeah, like you, I want to maintain this over a longer period of time, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel for people who deal with chronic pain, and and it's not fun, and and but I want them to know there's also an alternative out there, like you don't have to necessarily live through pain or just rely on NSAIDs either. There's other options that you can do, um, you know, moving and lifestyle. And I think the other thing that you mentioned too is like, yeah, you have to start now, but you also can't expect that your lifestyle 
changes will um, have an impact overnight. Like these are like small sustainable health changes that you have to make over a long period of time, but it's all about consistency and sticking to it and, and really um, every choice you make, make it for your health um, rather than against it. And over time it will pay off. Right. Um, but yeah, it's a buildup, right? It's going to build up over time. Yeah. And a lot of those things that you feel like are really tough right now, they will, they're going to get a lot easier. And, you, can't, and, and you can't expect it. It's just, never too late. No, it's, it's never, never too late. late. Yeah. There's some amazing it. studies. Remember that study I shared with you, Mark, from men, that was in men's health. And it was like, it was amazing. This was like people in their fifties and their sixties that started to do like some high intensity training, which of course yeah. is combined with like, you know, better diet um, yeah. and lifestyle choices, omega threes. They were able to kind of reverse a lot of the conditions they were dealing with and also significantly improve like VO2 max and, and overall mm. kind of quality oh, yeah. of life. And that's amazing. Yeah. It's, it's never too late. It's never yeah. too late. I see have. an amazing array of patients and you, you can tell just like by the amount of, um, you know, how, how healthy people are in the sense of like how much they take care of themselves and they move their bodies and they eat well. Like I have a lot of um, patients who are over 60 who are much healthier and more mobile than some who are in their 30s even, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's really not about the age on paper. It's really about the age that you feel and how you act and, and how you live, right? So yeah, it's it's and the best it's, investment you'll ever make is in your health. Guaranteed. Oh, the best investment. Yeah. There's no one that's ever regretted investing in their yeah. health. It is the yeah. best investment and the best long-term investment you'll ever make because yeah. you know, you work so hard, like you know, when you're younger and you kind of do all, but like, you know, to, to accumulate a certain amount of wealth and a certain amount of like independence or 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 kind of like lifestyle. But mm -hmm. if you get to a certain point where you don't have to work anymore. But you can't enjoy it because you've you've significantly compromised your health. What was it was it really worth it? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Like I, I don't think anybody that would sit there and tell you that yeah it was totally worth it. You know. No. So I so, think yeah. that's why uh, what we're trying to do on this show is so important is you know educate because you know it's it's certainly one thing to say you know appreciate your health and try to live healthy, but a lot of people. You know, it seems obvious, but to a lot of people, they, you know, they look at over the counter NSAIDs for relieving their pain, you know, and it's, 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 it's why this show is so important to me because we're really trying a, to educate. It should be a last result. Yeah. It should be a last resort and not a first option. Yeah. That's, it should well, really be that. You know. It's more just people don't know their options. Right. And that exactly. might be. Right. Um, we also can talk about privilege and access to resources and such. There's a lot of people that, you know, over the counter might be their only option in a lot of cases, or they don't, you know, they, they don't have the luxury of not working a day without, like they have, that's their only way they get to the work and that's the only way they make their money, right? Like we can have that whole that's true. as well. So yeah. it's also just telling people like maybe there are other options and it could be, um, you know, if we're thinking um, from a financial perspective, it can be as simple as trying to reduce your intake of sugar, which is not necessary in your diet, reducing your intake of dairy or gluten and replacing that with more produce, fruits and vegetables. Like there's a lot of other ways of doing it. Yeah. Um, I also want to mention just interestingly from like a herbal perspective, even like ginger actually works on those same Cox receptors. So you could do a ginger tea, for example, there are also ginger capsules and it can actually enhance the effect of your NSAID if you have taken an NSAID as well. So instead of reaching for a second NSAID, maybe you take a ginger capsule just to enhance the effect. So there's definitely other options out there. 
that are comparable to over-the-counter NSAIDs, not necessarily super expensive necessarily, you know, like, but even just things that you can eliminate in your day-to-day -to, -day to really bring down the inflammatory burden in the first place. And you might notice that the pain starts to go away on its own. Or there's some essential, there's some essential oils that are pretty effective too. Like I yeah. know like, was it like peppermint, there's like these peppermint kind of roll on yeah, kind of things that are. For headaches specifically yeah. are really good. And then actually frankincense, which is also known as Boswellia serrata. That's the Latin name for it, the scientific name. Um, you can take that internally or apply externally, and that actually has some really good research for um, re reducing pain and inflammation. So I use the ice pack when I get it. If I get like a really bad headache, like and it's kind of like back yeah. here, like ice pack just tends to kind of just squash yeah, it. It, it um, actually contracts your blood vessels, so it does help to like mm. get rid of that pulsating effect potentially. Yeah, so it can be. Um, I think it's more just letting people know there are other solutions um, and just letting them know like, yeah, this could be causing some harm. So just be careful yeah. or be intentional with your use. But also we understand that you need to use it every once in a while. Like if you're living with pain, that's certainly not something that we want. We don't want you to be suffering. Um, but yeah, you have other options and there's always alternatives and also complements to modern medicine as well. And for people I seeing, love it. I think this and oh, sorry, I was just gonna say, and for people seeing uh, MDs to, like you mentioned, to make sure that you're transparent with your NSAID use because it could, mm -hmm. it could severely alter, you know, the diagnosis. I think also having your own agency over your own health. So people kind of go see the doctor and they just take whatever the doctor tells them because, you know, either they don't have any more education, they don't really know any better, or they think like, well, I have to take it because the doctor said, like, you can go to your medical doctor, take what they say, ask your questions. If you know that this is a side effect, like speak up, ask for alternatives. Um, it, it's your own body. Nobody knows it like you. So mm -hmm. speak up for yourself, essentially, right? And and make it a conversation, not just a one-sided um conversation where someone tells you what to do and you just do it, right?